I am your host, Bethany Elliott, and welcome to the Sacred Sisterhood Podcast. Welcome back to another episode with the Sacred Sisterhood podcast. If you are new here, welcome, welcome. You are in for a treat and I'm glad you are here and I hope you stick around. I sure have missed you all, but I hope you enjoyed your holidays. My husband had about two weeks off of work and we did absolutely nothing, guys. It was great to lay around and watch movies and enjoy one another. And it was very much needed. I feel like we just like everybody else, go nonstop throughout the week and we barely see each other sometimes. So we were blessed to have him home and it was just really nice to spend time together. This is our very first bonus episode on the pod, which is so exciting. I plan to do two bonus episodes after each season just on random topics or suggested topics that are emailed to me. And if I feel like some of those topics are a little lengthy or it's going to take me a while to talk about and I'm getting into it and I just feel like I need to do a series on it, then I'll incorporate that into a series or into a season. But anyway, let's get into this topic. Today we're talking about struggling with sin. And this is a topic that each of us need to hear and that we can all relate to because we all have sin in, our li- sin in our lives and we all struggle with overcoming sin. So come along, snuggle up, grab your Bibles, and let's study together. When I think about this topic, I think a lot about Paul a true Christian and follower of Jesus who struggled with sin just like us. He says in Romans 7, 15, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Doesn't that sound like us? We want to do good and and not sin. And we do exactly the opposite. I don't know about you, but I sigh of relief when reading that. It helps me not to to feel alone in my struggle with sin and to know that someone sees me. And if that's you too, I see you. If you read on in that chapter, Paul says that it is sin in his life that is making him do what he does not want to do and that he delights in God's law. But there's another law that's waging war against God's law, and it's making him a prisoner of the law of sin. That's how sin gets us. It's like an addiction. We dabble in it and then it overcomes us. But we love God and we love his word and we so badly want to obey him. But sin wages war against God's word and makes us prisoner to its law rather than God's. And this is where people get stuck in their sin. We always wonder why. Why can't they just get out of it? Why can't they just pray themselves out of it? It's because sin is so powerful and it makes you feel like it's the only option you have. It makes you afraid to leave. It makes you feel good and bad all in one. But let me tell you that my God is much more powerful and can break the chains of any kind of sin, whether you are four weeks in or four years in. God can sever those chains. 
In verse 24 of Romans 7, Paul says, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Verse 25, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But it's not always that easy. We sometimes still dabble in that sin. And even when God delivered us from it, we still struggle with it and we still go back to it. We still think about it or we even replace that sin with one that we think isn't that bad. Well, sin is sin. There's no large sin and there's no small sin. It's all sin. And we will we will all continue to sin and we all have sinned. But there's a difference between committing sin and practicing it. Committing sin is just that you did it and that was it. You've prayed for it and you've repented of it and you are doing your best to never go back to doing it. But practicing it is living it. It's your lifestyle. I want to talk for just a moment about something that I see pretty consistently on social media and in the lives of people that I know. They are calling themselves Christians and pastors' wives and church leaders and so on and so forth. But what they post on social media, the words that are coming from their mouths, the life they live, the way they dress, their daily content is not reflecting what they're saying. And we are blindly following these people who are giving a false view or understanding of what it really means to be a Christian in a pastor's wife, in a church leader. I see a lot of people who say they are living in the spirit, but nothing they do is Christ-like. Romans 8 tells us a lot about living in the spirit versus the flesh. Verses 5 through 8 and 9 through 13. 5 through 8 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 9-13 through 13, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. For if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put your death, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. I love these verses because we can know who to believe and who not to believe, who truly lives in accordance with the spirit and who lives according to the flesh. Stop listening to and following people just by their words and start looking at their lifestyle and their fruit. 
We all have a past, of course, but we all had sins that we didn't just commit, but practiced. But the key word there is past. The sins that we once lived out should no longer be practiced. And why? Well, sin separates us from God. And as Christians, we are called to put away evil desires. Ephesians 4, 22 to 24 tells us, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful, deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. When we put away our old selves in our old lives, we get to put on our new selves and live our new lives that God designed to be like him. And since we are like God, we must live holy and righteous lives. The Bible talks about grieving the Holy Spirit of God in Ephesians 4.30, which basically means we make the Holy Spirit sad when we sin. Think about what we do when we're grieving. We cry, we're in distress, we're mourning. That's what the Holy Spirit feels when we disobey God. The one who created us, our Heavenly Father, mourns over the fact that his people have chosen sin over righteousness and over holiness. I don't know about you, but that breaks my heart. And that is one of the reasons why I live the way I do and I fear God like I do. Not only because I am called to as a Christian, as a faithful follower of Christ, but I don't want to make him sad. I don't want to make him angry. I don't want to make him mad. I want to leave you all with some tips in hopes that you'll practice them and that they will help you to live holy and righteous lives. Number one, choose your people wisely. Who you hang out with matters. Who you choose to let in your inner circle matters. Your inner circle is a sacred place and not everyone should be invited to a seat at that table. If you're struggling with a specific sin, but you're choosing to hang out and have close relationships with people who are practicing that sin, what do you think is going to happen to you? You can't truly begin the cleansing process until you clean the dirt out of your life. There are friendships and relationships that I had to say goodbye to because they were never serving a good purpose for me. And they weren't the type of people who were going to help me get to heaven. Choose your people wisely. Don't think that you can clean your life up, but still keep bad company around because eventually you'll end up back in the same sinful lifestyle you worked hard to remove yourself from. I'm very, very selective of who I let in my inner circle. And there are not even a handful of people there because at one point in my life, my inner circle was so open. It was open to anyone living any kind of way. And I got hurt very badly from those people who were never supposed to be that close to me. Save yourself the hurt and the heartache and be very selective and wise about who you choose as your people. Always pray before allowing people to be a part of your life, especially those close parts of your life. 
God knows the heart and the true intentions that people have before we ever figure that out. Sometimes we never figure it out, but God knows it before beforehand. So always say a prayer before you allow someone to get to into those close parts of your life. First Corinthians fifteen thirty three to 34 tells us to be careful who we hang around. Bad company corrupts good character. It tells us to come back to our senses and stop sinning. We know what we're supposed to be doing and how we're supposed to be living. Second Corinthians 6, uh, 14, and I'll read this one. It says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? We aren't even supposed to be close or yoked together with those who don't believe and those who don't follow God's word. It says, what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Nothing. Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? It can't. So why are you continuing to be unequally yoked in your relationships and in your friendships? Things creep in whether we believe it or not. And you can have the best intentions, but bad company corrupts good character. It's like when you're listening to, you know, these TikToks and these music videos and whatever you like to listen to. And it's got all these this swearing in it. And, you know, there's lust and there's uh, sexual immorality and there's all kinds of things in it. And you start to commit these things. It's because bad company corrects good character. And you don't even realize it sometimes. But this stuff is creeping in. Watch who you're hanging around. Watch what you're listening to. Watch what you are watching. Because it has an impact on you. And it can creep in. And it creeps in pretty quickly. There was a lady not too long ago that I had came across one of her TikToks. And she was talking about how she was dealing with lust in her marriage. And it wasn't lust after her husband, a healthy lust, but it was lust after other men. And she said that she had always dealt with this in her marriage. And she was talking about how marriage doesn't cure lust, which it doesn't. But she was talking about this and she said she was praying And she was asking God, where is this coming from? Like, I'm married to a man that I love. Why am I still looking at other men like lustfully? Why am I still thinking about other people lustfully? And she said she was watching a movie and it had a scene, a sexual scene in it. And she thought and she was like, this is why. This is why I'm dealing so hard with lust is because I'm still watching this stuff. I'm still letting myself be exposed to this type of, you know, thing. And so that's when it clicked for her. And she was like, ever since I stopped watching things like that, as soon as a scene like that comes on in a movie, or as soon as I hear something, I turn it off. And that's how we should be. If you're struggling with something, turn it off. Stop going back to it because you're only corrupting your good character. It's creeping its way back in and that's what we don't want to happen. 
In Ephesians 5, 6 through 7, we are told to not even listen to people who tell us that what the Bible calls sin isn't sin. If somebody is telling you that swearing isn't a sin or fornication isn't a sin or pride isn't sinful or being jealous and coveting and lust, if they're telling you that this stuff is not sinful, why are you listening to them when you read the Bible and you know that it is sin? Don't listen to these people. Don't even associate with them. Don't be deceived into thinking that a sinful lifestyle is acceptable. If the Bible calls it sin, it is sin, period. Number two, watch who you are following. As I mentioned before, we have so much technology and are exposed to so many influencers and popular popular content through social media. Be careful. A lot of these people are claiming to be Christians and a lot of them are living in sin blatantly, but we're blind to it. There's a lady on TikTok that I followed pretty heavily at one point. I really liked her day in the life videos. She said she was a pastor's wife, which I am too. So I figured it would be good, wholesome content and I could gain maybe a few things from her content, something just enjoyable to watch. And as I began to watch many of her videos, I noticed that she would get dressed and get dressed and undressed in front of the camera. She would wear the most immodest clothes, nothing that anyone should be wearing, let alone a pastor's wife. The constant shopping and the boasting about what she buys and what she has, none of her content is Christ-centered. She seems very nice. She seems like a nice lady. And I I obviously don't, I don't know her. But if I had a platform that large, I mean, she has millions and millions of followers. And if I had a platform that large, I would be trying to reach every lost soul that I could. And from the outside looking in, it just seems like she's more worried about the likes and the views and the brand deals and portraying herself as a Christian, but not actually walking in it. And people will even comment on there like, You say you're a pastor's wife, but look what you're wearing and it just gets deleted and they get blocked. So, you know, watch who you're following. There's so much more that I can talk about there. I mean, the get ready with me for church on Sunday videos, but all the other videos on their profile are of them cussing and drinking and partaking in worldly things. And people will call them out in the comments, but they say, They can cuss and drink and still love Jesus. Oh, okay. That's not the lifestyle Jesus called you to, though, if you're calling yourself a Christian. And you should know that if you're really living that lifestyle and you're really trying to be a true Christian, you should know that. In Philippians 3, 17 to 20, Paul says, Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have have us as a model, Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. 
Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We should follow Paul's example as well. Do you think Paul followed people who were drunks and used foul language? He says to find people who live as you do. Follow people who are living as you are. I have found several people on TikTok and on Instagram and on basically every social media platform that that, that you ha- that is out there who if I scroll, I can scroll down their page and it be encouraging messages. Bible studies, prayers, and outside of social media too. I'm not just saying that this is only in social media, but outside of social media too. Find and follow people who live as you do. Because verse 18, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. And it is often the people who we don't even think about, which is where discernment comes in. Learn how to discern, learn how to pray and ask God about about the spirits of these people so that you aren't blindly following people who are blatantly against Christ and who are blatantly just living a life of sin. Number three is be reconciled to God. Second Corinthians 5, 20 to 21 says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. There is no other life that you will live and be fully satisfied in other than the life you can live in Christ. Come back to him if you've fallen away. Be baptized and have your sins forgiven. Stop practicing sin and live a life that is pleasing to God. Number four, find out what pleases the Lord. Ephesians 5, 10 to 11 says, and find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. What pleases the Lord is righteousness and holiness, lives that are fully surrendered to his will, lives that have nothing to do with darkness and fruitless deeds, but exposes them and speaks truth. If you are sincerely walking in truth, you should be honored and pleased to serve the Lord and you should seek only to please him. Number five and the last one is to put on the armor of God. I can only remember really lessons about the armor of God as a kid. And I'm sure I've heard some in my adult life too, but when I think about the full armor of God, I just think about coloring those coloring sheets with the different pictures and learning about a different one each day at VBS or in Sunday school and you're coloring them. And then you got this big old giant that's wearing the armor. And so you're just placing the pictures on the giant or whatever, you know what I'm saying? The, the soldier, 
not a giant, a soldier. And so you're just placing the different pictures and the armor where it goes. That's what I think about when I'm, when I think about putting on the armor of God. But Ephesians 6, 11 through 17 talks about putting on the full armor of God. We have to have the full armor of God as Christians, because without it, we won't get far. It says that we're not fighting and struggling with flesh and blood or with one another, but against dark spiritual forces of evil. And in order to stand against the devil, we need the full armor of God. It says to stand firm with the belt of truth around your waist. This is knowing your Bible, knowing the truth and standing up for what is right. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness. Live an upright life. Be honest and be fair and always seek to do the will of the father. Talks about the shoes of readiness um, from the gospel of peace. Be ready to face the enemy and stand firm on what has been produced in you from the gospel. Take up the shield of faith. Stand protected from the devil's flaming arrows. These arrows are what test our faith the most. It says to take up um, the helmet of salvation. Always keep the gift of salvation in your mind so that your priorities are always right and your priorities always stay in order. And it says, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is how we fight. Every other piece is only armor, but the scriptures of the Bible are our only weapon. That's the only weapon that we're given to fight. So we have to know what they say in order to do so. Before I let you all go, I just want to say that your life is so so important to God and he loves each and every one of us more than we can fathom. He longs for your heart and he implores with you to come home, to come back into a right relationship with him. If there are any of you listening who don't know where to start or want to reconcile your relationship with with Christ and with the father and you just don't know what to do to do that reach out to me you can email the sacred sisterhood podcast at gmail.com and i will be glad to study with you to pray with you to pray for you or just to be listening ear um everything's anonymous i won't share anything unless you want me to in these podcasts but please reach out don't feel alone in anything that you're going through That's why I created this platform, because I know how it feels to struggle and to not have any sisters to encourage me, to not have anyone to encourage me or to just feel misunderstood. I feel I felt misunderstood in my life plenty of times. And I I had people that didn't really understand what I was going through. And so even if I don't understand, I can always be a listening ear. So reach out. Don't struggle alone. I've enjoyed this. Please make sure to come back next week for another bonus episode on how to read and study the Bible. And as always, thank you for being here.